What's up, people? Another episode of Justice Forge. Mocha Davis here with you. We've had four weeks go by in the NFL. We will talk about the uh, playoff contenders. Who's for real? Who's not really going to make it? But they look okay right now. We'll get a little bit into that. Major League Baseball. The playoffs are here. Right here. Right now. And I'm kind of nervous. I'm kind of nervous. And I will tell you why as the wild card games begin today as I am recording this and the NBA we're having the the season is officially here as we're also officially in the month of October my favorite month in sports the best month in sports period because everything is happening this month either it's playoffs or it's the beginning of seasons and you just just can't argue it's the best month it's just the best month but first we'll we'll we will start with the national football league and i am going to jump on that train that is taylor swift and the Kansas City Chiefs. I am simply amazed. Now, I will say this. They showed it's going to go south fast when the true diehard NFL fans Maybe even the Kansas City Chiefs. Well, no, maybe not the Chiefs fans, the opponents of the Chiefs, but maybe just some football fans of the Chiefs are just done with the cutting to Taylor's reaction to every play. Like, it's just not good. Was the game great? No. 23 to 20, right? It's kind of like, all right. It was a game. Let's say that. The Chiefs won, as expected. But outside of that, it just, it was a game. It was in New York, unlike the Monday Night Football game, which was also in New York, but not very good for Giants fans. But realistically, it wasn't a very good game for the Kansas City Chiefs. It just wasn't. Now, let me say this. I was listening to Mike Greenberg of ESPN um, talk about Zach Wilson. And I watched a couple of other shows as they also talked about Zach Wilson And 
in my mind, it just was a bit much. Now, here's a stat that's crazy. He's the only QB to ever have fewer interceptions and more completions, passing yards, and touchdown passes in a game against Patrick Mahomes in college or the NFL. The only one when Mahomes is a starter. Now, that is a wild stat. It's kind of amazing. It is. But the flip side is, it's one game, and they lost. I mean, talk about instant coffee, right? Robert Sala, you know, last season got on the media talking about how they just too quick to judge, too quick to make changes. And realistically, uh, I thought it was okay. I thought the game was okay. Every quarterback, they're going to have one or two of those games. Let's not get too excited about a loss in a quarterback. And I think it's just too much hype in New York, if you will. Too much hype in that game with Taylor Swift and the Kansas City Chiefs. It's like, okay, it was a, it was a good game. But let's see it over the course of a season before we start saying, oh, yeah, Zach Wilson's really showed us something. He had one good game, and that's it. Now, speaking of game, shoe game, Taylor Swift wore... um. Uh, I'm going to get off of this game eventually. But bottom line is she wore these uh, Nikes that basically, uh, excuse me, she wore the New Balance 550, the colorways. She took a picture with them on and they're already out of stock. I am just saying that I never, ever, ever expected for Taylor Swift and the Swifties to take over the NFL. And she basically has. I'm talking about her. Every talk show at one point or another, along with other sports, talk about Taylor Swift. And it's amazing. It's amazing that she has now transcended sports. She's gone from uh, music fandom to now sports fandom. Everybody, whether they knew Taylor Swift or not, and probably most sports 
fans will not be talking about Taylor Swift. But the power is real. The power that she has is amazing. The way people are gravitating towards her and the Chiefs and Travis Kelsey, who, by the way, it's funny that she was, I think, grew up, uh, was born in the Philly area, and obviously the other Kelsey, Jason Kelsey, plays for the Philadelphia Eagles, but that's not who she's uh, with right now. And I say with right now because that will be a sad, sad day if this relationship doesn't work out and all of a sudden you don't see Taylor Swift in the box. That can't be good. And I mean on a permanent basis. Obviously, she's not going to go to every Chiefs game. Or maybe she will. What else does she have to do? She performs. And maybe now she will change her schedule so that on Sundays or whenever the game is, she's always available. That's actually quite possible. But she is amazing. I'm going to get to my home team before I get to the NFL and the pretenders and contenders. Head coach Riverboat Ron. I said this last year, and I'll say it this year. He's got to go. He's got to go. In the game on Sunday, he didn't go for two when he had a chance to possibly win the game because his offense was gassed. To me, that's sad. Because one, the offense was playing well. They marched right down the field and scored on the Eagles in Philadelphia. But also because, hello, Right? What's Herm Edwards say? You play to win the game. He didn't play to win the game. He was playing for the tie. And that's disappointing to me. It's really, really sad. It's really sad. Because... On any given Sunday, anything can happen. And when you have an opportunity right there in front of you to win a game and then you don't, I just don't like it. I just feel... Like,
to me, that was a sign of a weakness of a head coach. You're not trying to win. You aren't trying to get your team to the playoffs. Not because somehow you're not saying, hey, I believe in my guys to score again. You don't have the killer instinct. You're playing it, you're just playing it safe. And then maybe that's okay for somebody. Maybe there's a Washington Commanders fan out there and people in the locker room. They're like, yeah, I'm cool with that. I just doubt it. They had a chance to win that game and they blew it against the reigning NFC champs. They had a real opportunity to do something spectacular. Unexpected for QB and Sam Howell to somehow maybe he's starting to do some things. I'm not going to go crazy yet. Right? Just like I talked about Zach Wilson, we have to let it go. I'm not getting into that Washington fandom where they're talking about last year or maybe even the year before that, Taylor Heineke. Oh, yeah, Taylor Heineke. Let's see what he could do. You know, he's showing some real promise. No. Chill. Chill. But in Ron Rivera, we do not have a coach that is willing to put his foot on the gas and go for it. We got a guy who's in the slow lane going the speed limit. Maybe once in a while he'll pass somebody, but realistically he's just going to go slow. He's going to be at his same speed. Hey, we'll get there and you're you can you there's an argument for that. Yes, you can get there. The same way somebody going fast will get there. There is that chance. But there is a risk to it. You may not get there fast enough, and you may be too late. It's just disappointing. It's disappointing. Washington had a shot. And they blew it. Simply blew it. All right, looking at the standings. Who's for real and who's not after a quarter of the season has gone by, which also seems bizarre, by the way, to think that already four weeks in the National Football League have gone by. It just doesn't seem like it's that soon or I felt like it was week it's week two that's what I feel like and as I look at which teams are for real and we can look at which teams are dumb not gonna go crazy on it after Miami put up 70 points to lose to Buffalo 48 to 20 
I still feel like the window is somewhat closing on Buffalo. But I also don't know what to make of the fact that Miami can score 90 points in two weeks. But if you said to me they didn't go 2-0, and I'm like, what? I don't know. I feel like it makes me say that Buffalo is for real. And Miami is still kind of middle of the road. Because if you score 70 points one week, to think the next week you only score 20, I'm like, I don't know. That doesn't look good to me. Baltimore is always for real. You have one of the best quarterbacks in the National Football League in Lamar Jackson at 3-1. and one. I like Baltimore. Outside of that in the AFC North, Pittsburgh is lucky to be 2-2. Two and two. Cleveland surprised they're 2-2. Two and two. Cincinnati may be done. Joe Burrow just doesn't seem healthy. He just doesn't seem healthy. By the way, New England's done too. Jets, well, they're done. In the AFC South, Indianapolis, Houston, Jacksonville, and Tennessee are all tied at 500 at 2-2. Two and two. That division is going to be tough to win. I thought Tennessee was the is the best team and that Jacksonville was going to contend with them for the chance to be the best team. But there is more of a wait and see in that division. AFC West, Kansas City, I mean, it's Kansas City. We know they're for real. LA Chargers, Justin Herbert hurt his non-throwing finger and hand, but he'll be okay. They have a bye week next week, which reminds me I need to really start paying attention to my lineups because the bye weeks will definitely start to affect what you do. So everybody pay attention to your bye weeks. Denver's done. Raiders are done. Chargers, to me, every year they're done. Just to go back to that. In the NFC East, the Eagles are 4-0. They shouldn't be. It should be a three-way tie in the NFC East between the Eagles, Cowboys, and Commanders. Instead, the Commanders are 500. They're not contenders. I'm not going to say they're contenders, but the head coach definitely made that apparent that they will not be contenders if they're going to continue to play safe football like that. I mean, it's crazy the number of coaches that on one side I do sometimes. I'm like, what are you doing? Going for two. Oh, no, you know what? Sorry, let me check that. The number of coaches that I see go for it on fourth down, a la Monday night or Thursday night, the very first game of the season when it was like fourth and 25. And Andy Reid went for the field goal with like a well over two minutes to go in that first game of the season against Detroit where they went on to lose. It's like you could have kicked the field goal and then got the ball back in my mind, but they didn't want to. They just simply didn't want to. Dallas and Philly are for real. I'm surprised Dallas is not undefeated. But those two teams are for real. In the NFC North, I'm surprised I'm saying this, but Detroit seems to be for real. 
Just talked about how that first game of the season, they beat Kansas City. The hurting they put on Green Bay this past weekend. The Lions are for real. They're a really good team. And Jared Goff has, in some ways, uh, really... He's made a good second career for himself in Detroit. A really good second career for himself. NFC South. Mm, Tampa Bay, a bit of a pretender at 3-1. I mean, Baker Mayfield, he's not really going to progress anymore. Right? You're not really going to expect all of a sudden to have this change in him. It's just not really going to happen. I think who he is, he is who he is. But then again, the rest of that division isn't could be better. I mean, Derek Carr, if he was healthy, I would say, hey, well, look out for the New Orleans Saints. So let's see what happens. It would be different if he were healthy. We'll see what happens there. But Atlanta, ugh, nah. Carolina, definitely not. The NFC West is going to be a tough division. San Francisco's for real. Even after week one, I mean, during the preseason, I said, yeah, that's the team. In the NFC. And now they're my favorite to just win it all. I think we're looking at a San Francisco, Kansas City Super Bowl in my mind. That's what I see. Buffalo could sneak in there. Baltimore could sneak in there. But I think San Francisco is the best team. Better than Philly, better than Dallas, better than Detroit. They're the team to beat. Seattle, pretenders. They're, they're, yes, Pete Carroll's going to have them playing well. Geno Smith's going to do what he has to do to, you know, try to win games and keep him afloat as long as he's healthy after that dirty play yesterday in the Giants-Seahawks game. But to me, they're pretenders. They're all right. But that's about it for them. You're not going to get much more out of Seattle. Enjoy the season, and then that's going to be it. That's going to be it. Let's shift to baseball. American League, National League, wild card games begin today. That's going to be a lot of fun. I like the wild card games. It's a good formula. We've got uh, Rangers against the Rays today. Blue Jays, Twins, Diamondbacks, Brewers, Marlins, Phillies. Right? I mean, we're talking about a best of three, which is great. I like it. 
that's going to be really exciting. And it reminds me of like a almost like a homestand. Yeah, you play three games. But in this case, the winner moves on. Now, I want to talk a few things. My dream of all of all of the four AL East teams, five. What am I saying? Four. Baltimore, Tampa Bay, Boston, Yankees, Toronto, all making it into the playoffs. I mean, come on, it's not going to happen, and it's not it's not possible. But it is. It would have been wild for it to come down to towards the end of the season. Somehow that playing out to the very end. It's just not going to happen. But the stories of the two leagues are the Orioles. In my mind, on one side. And the Padres on the other. Hear me out. Hear me out here. Because what I see is an Orioles team that not only won the AL East, finished the season with the best record in the American League. But this is the same season. To me, it was a surprise. The way the Orioles just slowly, slowly, methodically matriculated through the season and found themselves winning 101 games. Remember at the beginning of the season, let's rewind all the way back. When you pair it with what happened, Tampa winning their first 13 games in a row. I thought they'd run away with the division. They were 13-0, and 17-3 in their first 20. The Orioles were just one game over 500 in their first 13 games before it really started to click. They were winning series 2-1, 3-0, you know, slowly, slowly, slowly gaining ground little by little. They only lost three or more games in a row four times all season. And it was July. The Orioles caught Tampa Bay in July when Tampa Bay was not hot. They went 7-13 that month. Had a string of seven straight losses and another string of five straight losses. And that opened the door for the Orioles to really get the lead. And it was hard to hold on to it. I'm sure for uh, the Orioles players and Tampa Bay players, you know, sometimes it was one game, sometimes a half a game, sometimes it was two games. And they held on. They ended up Winning the division by two games. Tampa Bay had the second best record in the American League. Atlanta Braves had the best record in Major League Baseball. And next come the Orioles. And after that, it's the Dodgers. 
They won 100 games. And to think they won 100 games and nobody's really paying attention to them. But the story to me are the Padres in the National League. When you look at that lineup, who they had pitching for starters and closers, and who they had on the field, you know baseball. I don't need to go over the names, right? Manny Machado, Juan Soto, Fernando Tatis. I mean, the, the, the pitchers that they had. I just, what happened? Blake Snell, Musgrove, Waka. They had one of the best closers in the game, Josh Hader, on their roster. And to think they finished the game the season only two games over 582 and 80. At one point they were tied for they had the same record as the Nationals, who finished the season 20 games below 500. That's bad. Padres ownership says, oh, yeah. um, We're going to run it back next year. I mean, the Padres went eight and two over their last 10, and that helped them, you know, separate themselves a little bit more from the Nationals. Remember Juan Soto was traded from the Nats to the Padres when the Padres were trying to stockpile players. But they were the biggest disappointment this season. But I will say this as I in my baseball discussion. I am happy that Padres ownership still has confidence in Bob Melvin. I do not want them to blow up the Padres. I just, I want to see him try it again. You never know from one season to the next. So let's not get in a situation where one season and you're just like, we're done. This is not good. And so from that perspective, yes, I hope the Padres, let's let's run it back. And for the Nationals, as you look at uh, the Baltimore Orioles, right up 95, there's a light at the end of the tunnel for Washington Nats fans. Maybe, maybe they can be the next Orioles. Nobody can be Tampa Bay. Every year it seems like they have the lowest payroll, And yet somehow 
they're always in the playoffs. Always. All right, NBA media days are starting. That means the season is upon us. That's exciting. Jimmy Butler and his hair again. Making news. Players talking about, oh, now they're going to play in the Paris Olympics. I mean, come on, it's Paris, right? Yeah, you're going to get LeBron James, Kevin Durant. Everybody wants to play in Paris. Why not? I think as we look at the NBA... And the teams that are going to be contending for a title, speaking of pretenders and contenders, Bucks and Celtics, yeah, they're going to be contending. Bucks added Dame Lillard. Celtics came in behind them and took Drew Holiday after Milwaukee Bucks traded them away. Shoring up their roster a little bit. Shipping out Malcolm Brogdon. Who wanted a new deal and probably was not going to get it. But as I look at the rest of the league. In the Eastern Conference. Who knows what Philly's going to do? I mean, James Harden is not showing up for training camp. He doesn't want to play there, wants to be traded. I'm curious who they could possibly think they are going to be traded for or get back, excuse me, get back in the trade that in my mind has to be better than or equivalent to what Milwaukee did in adding Dame Lillard and Giannis Antetokounmpo together. As a tandem. That's going to be tough. But I think Phillies has no shot. Cleveland is is just Cleveland. They're 20 games over 500 last year. They'll make it to the playoffs. But I can't see them beating Milwaukee or Boston. Miami made a wild run all the way to the NBA Finals. I don't see them beating Milwaukee or Boston this year. And I know you're going to be like, well, they beat them last year. Well, well, with Milwaukee, you just added Dame Lillard. And now you can see Dame Lillard. He's going to do some things in my mind that he's the difference maker there. Drew Holiday is a good two-way player. And that's also what I like about him now being with Boston. Replacing Marcus Smart and Malcolm Brogdon. Let's see what he does there. 
Chicago, Toronto, like all of these teams, I'm just like, you're just playing for third and fourth place at this point. Now, I want to see a team step up and somehow surprise, be the surprise of the East like Miami did last, last year. And maybe it's wrong of me to count out Miami, that they might be able to do something different. I just highly doubt it. Not this year. On the flip side, you got Denver, the reigning NBA champs. They will be there again. Memphis with John Morant being out 25 games. Who knows what Memphis is going to be able to do? Sacramento was a big surprise in that division. Phoenix adding Bradley Beal. That's the story for me in the West. To see what Phoenix will be able to do with Beal, Booker, and Durant. BBD. That's going to be my new thing. BBD. Bell, Biv, DeVoe. Beal, Booker, Durant. But the other side of that is they also let Aiton go. And to me, that was the player that was like, whoa, now they have a big four. And I understand that DeAndre Ayton, there were issues with him and the coach and management and the other players. I get that. So they had to do something. But I don't know that they got enough in use of Nurkic. Maybe it's good because he's okay on defense. And at the very least, now they have... They don't have to share the ball with the fourth player, right? Because I always I did wonder if people are going to be okay getting less shots with the three of the stars there. Happy for Beal. But uh, I don't know. And the Clippers, okay, they're healthy. Paul George, Kawhi Leonard. I want to see them stay healthy, and they will be a really good team. But they're going to need that third player to step up. Maybe that's Terrence Mann. Maybe they'll find a way to get Robert Covington in the rotation. As a two-way player. Not that he'll be that third player. But they're going to need their bench. They're going to need more of the team um, to blossom around Kawhi and Paul George. Because a lot of times, especially last year, you didn't know which one of them was going to play any given day between the two of them. So we'll see there. Golden State, getting rid of Jordan Poole, addition by subtraction, maybe adding Chris Paul, though. I think that window has closed. And as it relates to the NFL, Major League Baseball, and the NBA, outside of an injury changing the dynamics of one of these teams at the top, I don't, I don't see Golden State getting back there, despite the fact that they have the one player, Steph Curry, that changed the game of basketball maybe more than anyone else ever, ever, with his ability to shoot the threes and basically change the whole league. I mean, I guess you say with LeBron James, the Lakers maybe have a shot. I doubt it. 
I don't know. Minnesota, they'll make the playoffs. The sleeper pick last year was me, for me was, of course, New Orleans. They get Zion back, Brandon Ingram, and C.J. McCollum. If they can stay healthy, that's my sleeper pick to watch out. That's the team to watch out for. The Lakers will be there too. They'll be there too. I like their addition of Christian Wood with Anthony Davis. Dallas won't be there again in my mind. Utah faded. Portland's rebuilding. We'll see. It's going to be fun. But to to think that, oh, who is going to be my official pick to win it all as the preseason is starting? I think the Bucks hoist a trophy. It's Milwaukee. It's Milwaukee. That'll do it for Just for Sport. I'm Jamoke Davis. Until next time, ciao for now.